The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Well, what the hell's going to happen this weekend? You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. My name is Joel Penfield. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Joining me tonight, Jared Perkins from Prospects Live, Major League University, and Royals Farm Report. A busy man with a draft guide uh, coming out. Helped us a ton with that. How you doing, man? Good, good. Uh, ready to talk some crazy Royals baseball. Uh, we got a lot to talk about here. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back. We got to hear from Kansas City Strength and Conditioning first, then we have a ton to get into here. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound. It actually needs to be fixed in the weight room. Thank you, as always, Kansas City Strength and Conditioning for sponsoring this show. Be sure to go check them out uh, if you have a baseball or softball player in the area, uh, if they need a place to train. So, Jared, uh, along with a couple other guys, myself, uh, we wrote the Royals Farm Report draft guide. It's 117 uh, pages of draft content with top 100 prospect write-ups, uh, you know, uh, getting ready, for, and, and our only mock draft as well, uh, leading up to the, uh, the MLB draft, which will be this Sunday 
so be sure to go check that out. I believe Alex has the price down at like $2.22 now. So he's almost cut it in half from the $4 it was originally at. Go check it out. Uh, it's an incredible resource if you're a draft nerd and want to learn more about the future of the guys that could be in the Royals organization. And on Sunday, Josh and Alex, along with uh, Mike and Marcus Mead of Royals Weekly, will be live from the Kingdom Mar and Grill, I believe starting at 6.30. I will not be there. I'll be driving back from a little vacation, but I'll hopefully be able to remote in when the Royals make their pick. But at the Kingdom Bar and Grill live, and it'll be on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, all that, just like the NFL draft. And we are doing a raffle similar to what the guys did for the NFL draft. If you Venmo $20 to KC Sports Network, and it's at KC, KC Sports Network is the Venmo. You donate $20 to that. Uh, I believe it. you get a chance or $100 for eight entries into the raffle for four lower-level Royals tickets. I believe they're Diamond Club. A signed Bobby Witt Jr. baseball or a signed Alex Gordon jersey. They will all be entered in if you donate 20 bucks uh, for one chance or $100 for eight. We are doing that live at 7 p.m., so it'll be right before the Royals pick at number nine. And that will be on July 18th. And all proceeds are split 50-50 between the KCSN Foundation and the Royals RBI program, um, which let me get the official name for that if I can figure it out. Uh, Yeah, the Royals RBI program. So be sure to go and support a good cause. And you have a chance to win some cool stuff. So uh, we'll have that now that the plugs are out of the way. Holy crap, Jared. Um, The Royals actually, they go and win three out of four against Toronto. Or not, they're heading to Toronto, but against Detroit. Uh, and then they and they even won two out of three against Cleveland, uh, despite getting shellacked on Saturday. They made it seem like they lost the series. They're playing good baseball. You know, they're they're starting to win some games. The younger guys are starting to get more acclimated. And an absolute bomb drop today. We knew there were going to be some players out. So if you don't know, if you were not vaccinated uh, for COVID, then you cannot go into Canada and play. And teams have been hit by this. You know, a few players here and there. I think the most is like four or something like that. Four players that go on the restricted list. They can't play in a series and they go. The Royals announced today they have 10 players that cannot play in Toronto because they're not vaccinated against COVID. The guys, you, you can go look at Jeff Passon's tweet, but <laughs> the 10 names on this list are Andrew Benintendi, Whit Merrifield, MJ Melendez, Hunter Dozier, Brad Keller, Brady Singer, Michael A. Taylor, Kyle Isbell, Dylan Coleman, Cam Gallup. So 40% of the roster can't play in a four-game series. So this means the Royals are essentially fielding the Omaha Storm Chasers in Toronto this week. I mean, I don't want to delve too far into the political, moral aspect of this. Like, that's just a rabbit hole I don't want to go down. And I know the people listening just want to try and stick to baseball as much as we can. So from a baseball perspective, what the hell? Um, this is situation that I knew that there were going to be some guys and it'd probably be more than four, but I didn't expect it to be 10 guys. And just as you start to get a little bit of momentum, I mean, you're probably going to go and get swept in four games at this point. Yeah. I'd be I mean, shocked if they win one game. Yeah. You think about the trade deadline implications too. It's like, they just made that great trade getting drew waters, Andrew Hoffman and CJ Alexander from the Braves for uh, their 35th overall pick in the draft. And so you're like, Oh, there's excitement. There's momentum going. And then you see this happen and you see three of the names on that list being big potential trade candidates here at the deadline. And what I've seen Brad Keller yeah. floated out there too. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about teams like the biggest team that was talking about Ben and was the Yankees and the blue Jays. And those are two teams in the ALA. East and one 
Benintendi can't go to the Blue Jays now at this point. I mean, how is he going to play games there? So everybody wanted Jordan Groshans to come into town for Benintendi, and that's probably out the window now. And then you look at the Yankees, they got another series coming up in Toronto, and then if the playoffs hit, they're going to have to go back to Toronto potentially as Toronto's still in the hunt. Even though they fired their manager, they're still in the hunt for a playoff spot. Yeah, and even what Merrifield too, like they're yeah. – that takes out a whole division, you know, in a way. And Michael A. Taylor was looked at as a candidate for the the Yankees because they want to try and get some combination of Giancarlo, Aaron Judge, and Aaron Hicks off their feet mm-hmm. as the, you know, the, they get closer to the playoffs. And Aaron Hicks is out, I think, about to head on the injured list with a a, uh, a shin injury. So it looked even better that the, they can make that trade. I don't know if that'll happen now because I don't know what Michael A. Taylor's willingness is to get vaccinated. Yeah. Speaking of the willingness here, Whit Merrifield made some comments after the game when he was asked about this. And I don't have the quote pulled up in front of me, but he, you know, did the general, it was a personal decision. I, you know, did some research. I've talked to people but made the decision to not be vaccinated. That's his prerogative. I'm not going to judge anyone for it. Andrew Benintendi essentially said the same thing. And if he had stopped his statement right there, no one would have batted an eye. People still would have been pissed, but I don't think anyone would have thought anything of it. Until Whit Merrifield continues to talk and he says, well, you know, some things may change. You know, if I end up on a, you know, on a playoff team and, you know, we got to play Toronto and I'll get back, maybe I'll consider it, which is just a massive slap in the face to his teammates who he said are support this decision. But in turn, he's also spitting in their face by saying, yeah, it's not worth me getting vaccinated. We're 20 below 500. Why should I care about you guys? Yeah, and I mean, to all the fans who supported him staying in town over these years at the trade deadline in the past. And it's it's hard because it's like, you look at Andrew Benintendi's statement, he was like, my choice, end of story. No one cared. No one's mentioning Andrew Benintendi in any of this because they're just like, that's his choice. Where Maryfield was like, well, if I play for a contender, my choice might change. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, well. That optically <laughs> looks so bad. Yeah. It looks so bad. Now, am I? do I resent him for being upset that he's been on losing ball clubs his entire career? Absolutely not. No. I yeah. wanted the Royals to go and trade him, and I know he wants to probably get traded at this point because he knows how much longer do I have in my career. I need. Mm-hmm. I want to go play playoff baseball, and he should. But to do it that way, it looks horrendous on the organization that has given him so much and given him the opportunity and kept him around and gave him a, an extension that no other team probably would have given him. Yeah. And for all that to be like, well, my vaccination status is subject to change if I end up on a playoff team. Yeah. It's awful. And it sucks because like everybody's always been behind Merrifield. Mm -hmm. I don't think a single Royals fan in the past has ever had any like ill will towards Whit Merrifield. I mean, I think fans have wanted him to get traded in the deadlines past just because they weren't competing, but everybody always loved him in the clubhouse and just loved him as a leader of that clubhouse too. And just kind of to have this happen before the trade deadline. Um, where you're kind of just trying to find someone in that clubhouse with Salvador Perez out to rally around that this is going to happen. And it's like right before the All-Star game. So the Royals are going to go to Toronto, go play a series. I mean, Whit Merrifield's going to stay home. Do we even see Whit Merrifield play again in Kansas City? I, I, I've thought about that a lot over the last couple of hours. And I think that Whit Merrifield's played his last game in Kansas City. And it was, yeah. <laughs> I, and it's so weird that after playing 553 straight games, it's the streak is over in a game where he had to get pulled for an injury. Uh, I think it was like a like turf toe or something like that or yeah. whatever they called it. But it's kind of weird that for someone that played that many games in a row and manned the post for that long 
for his last game, potentially for the team to be a game in which he was removed due to injury. Yeah. But after, and I felt like the Royals were going to trade him over the next couple of weeks, let him get healthy, play a few games, show that he's healthy, and then trade him. I think at this point, the writing is on the wall that he has played his last game for the Royals. How can you put him back in the lineup after he's basically said, I want out? Yeah. He said it without saying it. Like he, he said the quiet part out loud that he wants out and that he doesn't want to be here. Yeah. And he's kind of sort of hinted at it a little bit in the past, but this time he was just basically like, yeah, if I play for a contender and we're in the playoffs, like those things change, it'll change my decision on potentially what I'm going to do. And so it's just like, it's one of those things. Like how can you have that guy and try to, if you're trying to move the page and move forward as an organization and you're trying to get to that next level and that next step, I mean, a guy, if he doesn't want to be there, it's hard to carry him around. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to belabor the point too long. If, if you want another rant session, uh, just come find me on Twitter and we can go in the DMs and just go to go to town. But if there is any silver lining to this, uh, as guys that cover the minor leagues and love the, the prospect side of baseball too, we get to see some some debuts coming up because of the uh, because it's a restricted list. It's not – there's no like massive 40-man shuffling that's going to occur. It's going to be guys that are just available and vaccinated that can go play. So it looks likely that guys like Marquette, Michael Garcia, who's been a double A shortstop and really good, one of the better guys in the system this year. He's on the taxi. He was on the taxi squad for this series, uh, likely to go to Toronto and play. Uh, looks like possibly Nick Prado. He wasn't in the lineup for Omaha on Tuesday. We're recording this on Wednesday, so it's day early. Things might change from the time uh, me talking about this, but Michael Massey, Nate Eaton, Brewer Hicklin, mm-hmm. uh, guys like Brad Be- Peacock, Angel Zerpa. Uh, a few other pitchers are probably going to see some time because who the hell knows how the pitching is going to work out since Singer and Keller can't pitch and Coleman can't pitch. I, I don't know. Like it's going to be Grinky Lynch. If you can hopefully get a start out of him after the blister yeah. finger injuries. And then it's kind of up in the air. I, I don't know what we're going to see. There's a little bit of me that is excited just because we get to see some of these younger guys really get an opportunity in weird circumstances, but they're getting an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I, for me, I want getting an opportunity to see Brewer Hickenland for the second time. I know he struggled a little bit in his debut um, and has struggled in AAA with the strikeouts, but kind of one of the best all around dudes you can have in a clubhouse. And he just comes and plays hard every single day. He's got a great uh, blend of power and speed and just being able to see him get another shot in the big leagues. I mean, there's a good chance he starts in the outfield in this series. And so it'll be exciting to see him out there and potentially playing and get some ABs at the big league level. Yeah, he, he got a couple ABs. I believe it was in Minnesota yeah. when Michael A. Taylor went on the COVID list, in, list initially. Uh, I think he went like 0 for 5 with a few strikeouts. I don't know if he ever got any hits yet. So it's a good opportunity to see a bunch of guys that are a part of the future of this team that are going to get an opportunity they likely wouldn't have had otherwise. Now, here's the interesting part of this. You think anyone gets Wally pipped out of this? In what sense? Like the, the other, like, Hey, hey, the best kind of ability is availability. And these guys show out in a four-game set that they're ready to go. Like, say Nick Prado goes and hits three home runs this weekend and plays a great first base or left field, wherever you want to put him, and basically just proves that he's ready. Or Michael Massey just comes up and just lights the world on fire and looks like the hitter we think he can be to, you know, maybe show, hey, maybe he's the heir apparent to Nicky Lopez and who knows Mm -hmm. who Nicky Lopez is. Who's yeah. already starting? Who's seen his playing time lessen over the last couple of weeks? Put pressure on those guys that are already mm-hmm. up there. I mean, and it gives that 
And if those guys perform, the Royals have more incentive to trade the other guys that they have on exactly. the block. And it can push Merrifield, Benny, and Taylor out the door a little sooner than expected. Because if Prado and Massey come up and they just start mashing, Royals are like, oh, wait, we got something here. Um, and so maybe you could see Merrifield out the door, like we said, before the All-Star game's even over. Um, and so there's potential options and hopeful options there that some of those guys can come up and show up and play. Yeah, the, I think there's a really good opportunity here to to see something like that. And I don't know if it ever will. I mean, the Royals are the Royals, and they're going to yeah. go more often to the veteran than they will to the young player unless they absolutely force their hand. And I hope we see a couple of these guys force their hand uh, in the way that I think they can. What I really wanted to start this episode with before this happened today uh, was the trade that they made on, on Monday. And you alluded to it a little bit, Jared, that the, the Royals traded for three prospects from the Braves organization, organization CJ Alexander, who is a 26-year-old shortstop in AA. A lot of power, a lot of swing and miss. I don't know what the – I think this was kind of just a lottery ticket that was added to this. I don't know what kind of big league future, if any, he has, but certainly the, the power is interesting here. Andrew Hoffman, who was a draft pick last year, uh, I believe he was making his first outing with Northwest Arkansas tonight uh, on Wednesday, and he looks very intriguing, nice amount of deception, and it varies his timing, good secondaries, certainly a some good clay to work with uh, you know, moving forward for the Royals, and something he gives a look that the Royals really don't have in a pitcher. So that's worth, that's worth something. The big piece in this was Drew Waters. Uh, previously has been as high as like a top 30 prospect in baseball. Uh, switch hitting, center fielder, good speed, good all-around tools. Kind of fell off prospect rankings a little bit last year. Really, really, really struggled in AAA with strikeouts and contact. But a guy that certainly has all the tools to be the big league center fielder of the future as early as next year. And they traded all of this for the 35th overall pick, which is a their competitive balance round pick, which is like the sandwich round in between round one and round two. And it's given to smaller market teams as just an extra pick and an opportunity to get more players in their system because they can't pay for teams the way that the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers can. So it's just a, something that Major League Baseball does for competitive balance. And that's a pick you can trade. You can't trade your first overall mm -hmm. pick, your first round pick, but the sandwich picks in the, between the first and second round and second round and third round, you can't trade. The... The Tigers did this recently with the Rays yeah. trading their sandwich pick for uh, Austin Meadows. They gave away Isak Paredes uh, and their their sandwich pick. So certainly interesting. I didn't know that those types of trades could happen, but I'm really excited about Drew Waters. This is a great play for the Royals to go and get a guy because they know how good the hitting development is right now. And you give this guy about a month with Drew Saylor, and I really believe we are looking at a guy that could come in and, and play in the big leagues for the last month of the year, just see what he's got. And you go into 2023 and you have the center fielder that you didn't have before. Yeah. Like a young guy. And he's only 23. Uh, he's come up, you know, people are kind of out on him and prospect rankings don't really have him anymore, you know, in their top 100, but he's only 23. There's still a lot of runway here. There's a lot of tools to like. He's shown some really good stuff early on uh, with the few first few games in Omaha. I think this is a slam dunk deal for the Royals. Yeah, I mean, when Waters is looking at plus speed, plus defense, plus power, I mean, the hit tool is the one concern that everybody talks about. I think he strikes out close to a 30% rate. And I think he just needed to change the scenery too, though. With all the outfielders that the Atlanta Braves have had, he's been kind of blocked for playing time. And I think that's the one thing the Royals need, as you mentioned earlier. They need a center fielder. And he has the defensive ability, the arm, to stick in center field and be a 
potential like really good goal glove type center fielder and he can fly too yeah he's fast he is super fast and it's just it's going to be let drew sailor and company do their work that's what they're there for that's why they've had all the success with all the other hitters in the um in the minor leagues and you're going to trust your player development on that side because it's been successful and so that kind of deal for the royals i mean bringing in a guy like drew waters like you said that's been a top 30 prospect i mean that's huge for a 35th overall pick i know there's potential to have some really good picks there and royals have used that kind of as a um when they've bought low on in their first round pick and they've kind of overspent on that competitive balance but this this is an opportunity for them to get a really really good player and some other two good players to couple with that and andrew hoffman and cj alexander alexander cut his strikeout rate by 20 percent, and he has had double digit homers and double digit steals right now yeah he's a little older for double a but still there's some potential there and again when you're trying to get everybody to work with drew sailor and company on the side you got cj alexander and drew waters now yeah this is great process by the royals and not a move that well i think the the biggest thing is I think Royals fans have floated Drew Waters in mm-hmm. in trade mocks and all that stuff for Andrew Benintendi or you trade yeah. a reliever for him and just kind of you try and get him away. And now they actually got him. They didn't have to give up any anybody and you still kind of have an opportunity to take a look at the market yeah. for a Benintendi, a Taylor, a Witt and see where you're at. And you still go and get this guy. And it's going to make, by trading the 35th pick, now the draft is going to be super interesting. Because there was a lot of talk and something Alex and I and Josh and I talked about, something Jared and I have talked about away off screen that, you know, the Roy- there's a pretty good chance the Royals under slot number nine and go and get a good player. It's not like they're being cheap, but they're going and getting a, a player and then they try and spend a little more with that 35th pick or the 49th pick. Now I think there's a bigger chance that the Royals actually just go for best player available and go and spend that full slot and go and allocate resources elsewhere so it makes the draft look a lot more interesting and i'm kind of excited for it i would much rather the royals go and get a jace young or if god forbid elijah green falls to nine and you just go make that move for the best player rather than trying to play slot games and you know banking on something i just think it's a more surefire way to go and get the best player so i think trading the 35th pick is kind of a blessing because it gives the royals an opportunity to just go get a really good player and not feel like they need to play games to go and get a couple yeah and i think the the other more difficult part about this draft too is a lot of the high school guys are asking for a ton of money i was getting mm-hmm. some insights from a uh, someone who works in the baseball field and saying a lot of these high school kids are wanting a ton of money just with the way college baseball is working now a lot of them want to go to campus i think joe doyle even tweeted out from prospects live that there's a chance that holiday green or jones might potentially be stepping foot on campus so you look at those top three high school kids that could potentially be going on campus i mean that's that changes your draft strategy, especially when you start looking down into the 35th pick. And so if they can get one of those big major bats in the ninth overall pick and get the best player available, if someone like Cam Collier falls to them, they can sign him for the slot. They can sign him for the slot. They don't have to worry about their 35th overall pick. Yeah. I I don't know what it's going to end up being. The Royals are still super unpredictable. Like if you, if you've seen a guy mock to the Royals, very good chance that the Royals are not going to take that guy. So I still don't know how it's going to be, but it's it makes the strategy a lot different. I, I don't know what to, to make of it, but I'm excited for what Drew Waters is going to bring. I really think he has a good chance to be the center fielder of the future for this team. 
I real like I absolutely and wholeheartedly trust Drew Saylor to figure it out with these guys. Yeah. If you go and look, go look at what the Royals had in 2019. Just go look at the offensive stats for damn near everybody in the organization. And now go look in 2022. I think Alex tweeted it that the Royals had 10 guys that had a weighted runs created plus of 100, which is league average or better. It means they had 10 yeah. or guys that were at league average or a little better. Insane. And that and it wasn't any of the Prado, the Melendez, the Suli, the Bobby Witt Jr. It was none of them. Like, yeah. I think, I think honestly, of any qualified hitter over like 150, 200 plate appearances, I think Vinny Pasquantino had the best weighted runs created plus in the organization. Yeah, I mean, it's insane what they've done. And you have to love it. For perspective, they now have 23 guys. Yeah, now you just want them to get someone on the pitching side. (laughs) And maybe they'll figure that out. Uh, I'm not going to delve into that. Alex Alex Jordan, I talked a little bit about that on the last episode of Royals Farm Report. Uh, So you can go check that out. But at least injects a little bit more excitement. Yeah, It just gives us something a little more interesting to talk about. And I'm curious what some of the, the trade packages look like. It's a huge draft and trade deadline to go and kind of replenish the system. Now that Vinny and MJ, now Nick Prado's coming up here soon, the that that was like the top end of what made the Royal system so good and a top seven to eight system in baseball. It's down like the you know the high you know ten to or like fifteen to eighteen now, or I've even seen it down to like twenty or twenty one, just that fast by yeah. those three or four guys like Bobby Wood Jr. and others leaving. So you have an opportunity to replenish that and get it back into the upper half of baseball, and I hope they can do that. Yeah, I mean, there's some potential great options out there. You look at the Padres. That is a team that they could trade with. You got guys like James Wood, Robert Gasser, whoever there, who could make a good package that you could put together in order to send Ben Attendee. So there's there's a lot of options. I mean, the Blue Jays, of course, are now out of the out of the question, but you still could potentially see Michael A. Taylor going to the Yankees. There's a chance that they would take a shot at him. I think I read somewhere a tweet that they were saying that it shouldn't make too big of an impact on the trade deadline. I think a lot of teams probably already have some of these insights. So um, there's options out there. There's tons of prospects. As we read an article the other day, that's Ben attendees trade markets hotter than any player probably out there on the, the, especially with Brian Reynolds getting hurt in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's probably the best outfield option out there right now. Easily. And teams need outfielders going into the, the end of the season. And so, I mean, Gosh, there's going to be so many options for them. They have, they have to maximize at this deadline. This is the probably one of the easiest deadlines that the Royals could maximize their profit. I sure hope that they actually do it. Uh, I I don't know. But I, the next couple of weeks is certainly going to be interesting yeah. now. Uh, and if you're looking to take your crew out to the K this summer, be sure to check out our friends at Tickets for Less. Ticketsforless.com has the best selection of tickets to all your favorite sporting events, concerts, and shows, including the Royals. Tickets for Less never charges per ticket fee, saving you big time over other sites out there. You can even use our exclusive partner code at checkout. You can save even more. Simply enter code KCSN22 when ordering your seats at ticketsforless.com. That code again is KCSN22. We are going to take a short break and we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I think one of the biggest things that I enjoyed from the last couple of days watching the Royals was on Monday when the they swept the doubleheader against the Tigers. The second game of the doubleheader, they gave Andrew Benintendi a break, and Witt was already out. So they didn't really have a, a leadoff hitter. They gave Michael A. Taylor the break as well because I'm pretty sure he, Jose Canseco himself, position player pitching on Saturday. And they put MJ Melendez in the leadoff spot. Bobby Witt Jr. playing shortstop, hitting second, and then Vinny Pasquantino third. And it worked out really nicely, I'd say. Bobby Witt Jr. hits a four-hit game. Vinny gets a couple of hits. MJ goes two for four uh, with a a couple of walks. Uh, Vinny had a couple of walks, too. It's almost like putting the young guys in there. It works because they're your best players. Yeah. But they didn't want to put all the pressure on them. So. No, I didn't want to. No, he didn't want to put too much pressure on him. He did, can't. It's okay. Can't him clean up, July. except maybe his third game in the big leagues. Then you can bat Vinny Pasquantino clean up. Yeah, I mean that's what you want to see. That's that's exciting about the Royals team. I know all the frustrations throughout the entire season have been because of the win loss record, dealing with some of the managerial issues. But when you watch those guys play, it's exciting. You watch MJ Melendez at the top of the lineup, who's got some decent speed for a catcher, and you watch Bobby Witt, who's going to be probably your cornerstone player for the next few years. And Vinny Pasquantino now, he's looking. He looks like another Kendris Morales, basically. And you watch yeah. him in the box, and it's you got more to come. You got Prado, you got Massey. You got a ton of bats here already for the future and if you can't get excited about it as a Royals fan and see the top those three guys at the top of the lineup I mean that's just fun to watch every single day and I love MJ in the leadoff spot yeah Uh, he is a patient enough of a hitter there's obviously some swing and miss there that Mm -hmm. he's still working through and kind of we're you know working to not chase balls in the top half of the zone but you know he's going to work a good count he is your prototypical leadoff hitter yeah uh, which you would not expect out of a catcher but he's a supreme athlete and I think it really works nicely for what this team is. I think eventually, once he gets a little more comfortable, I think Bobby Wood Jr. is a really good candidate to be a leadoff hitter. It could be like a George Springer, you know, ambush type guy at the top of your lineup that could work really nicely. And he's starting to kind of figure things out at the plate and really start to be more consistent, which is nice. <laughs> I, I feel so bad for Vinny at times, man, because if you'll you'll go look on baseball savant and you'll see like they have like their leaderboards for like swing and miss and velo and distance hit and exit velocity. And you'll look and he has like two or three of the hardest hit balls of the night and he's over four. And it's like, what, yeah. is, what does this man need to do to buy a hit? And it's getting there. And I think people are realizing that. And I mean, he had a, he had a great, great double header day. 
uh, you know, with the home run against Michael Pineda in the first mm-hmm. pitch of the second, it was second at bat in the fourth inning, which is the exact same scenario that happened in his first at Loves Michael first Pineda. Baseball, <laughs> baseball. Like, he owns it. Like he got yeah. a cut. He had, he had the go ahead hit too in that first game. So there, there's a lot to like here. And Kyle Spell had three hits in the loss on Wednesday or on a Tuesday, but you know, what are you going to do? And I, and when he actually plays consistently and gets consistent at bats, it's almost like he plays really well. When you go and play him twice a week or pinch hit for him, he does, he's not that good. He seems, he's a guy that really needs that regular at bats. And when he got those at the end of last year, he was really good after coming back from Omaha. So I think he is another guy that's going to benefit when Ben Intendi, Witt and Michael A. Taylor are traded because the opportunity for legitimate regular at bats are going to be there. And when you put him in the lineup every single day, you at least know what you have with him. I don't know if you're able to find that if you don't play him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking at that outfield in the future, Evan Prado, Isbell, and Olivares, and then maybe Drew Waters here in the potential near future if he can figure things out. I mean, that's that's nice. That's exciting. I think, yeah, Olivares is, you know, kind of cooled off a little bit uh, yeah. from the hot start that he had, but I think he fills his role. Really nice. He's a fourth outfielder. I think that's his role in the big leagues. Yep. When I scouted him in the Texas League in 2019, that's kind of I kind of felt the same way. That hey, there's a valuable bat there, but I don't think it's an everyday guy. And I think that's that's kind of being proven. But that's not a knock on him. That's dude's cashing big league checks playing twice yep. a week. Go go get your money. Go go play pro ball. That's you know that's that's the good stuff there. Any any final thoughts on anything that you you saw this week or yeah. on the field? Not not what we saw at five o'clock today. <laughs> No, I think the the big thing is too is just watching some of the pitchers kind of get in their own. Uh, Brad Keller has looked good. Brady Singer has looked really good the last couple of starts, and it's just nice to see those guys, despite the Cal Eldred issues that we all know exist, um, to have some success and be able to kind of develop themselves in the rotation. It's great seeing Zach Reinke back out there healthy. Don't know how long he lasts as a Royal, but. It's just good to see some success from that rotation, see some winning records happening in the last few games, um, and just having the ability to give those young guys that playing time and see Espel out there and see Bobby Witt Jr. out there and all those guys just to have that time. And so Bobby Witt Jr. even said it in interviews before. He goes, I start learning from every single at-bat that I get. And that's how these young guys, they're going to have their struggles, but the way that they're going to learn is to get those plate appearances. And if the Royals keep doing that and keep giving them those opportunities, then they're going to be able to adjust and they're going to adjust faster and quicker than just sitting down in AAA. And I think the same goes on the defensive side too. I think Bobby Wood Jr. has really struggled at shortstop the last couple of games. The entire defense had a rough night on Tuesday. Uh, I mean, hell, Miguel Cabrera stole third. (laughs) Yeah. Miguel Cabrera. Yep. who is 58 years old, stole third base. Yep. <laughs> now, some of that was Jose Quas was not paying attention and his delivery is slow, but MJ still threw down and airmailed the throw and he scored. Um, guarantee that will never happen again. I, I know and I know people are freaking out about MJ's metrics behind the plate. We have three and a half, four years of data in the minors that he was one of the best defensive catchers there. Really good yeah. receiving, great you know, throwing out, you know, uh, throw down numbers. Caught stealing numbers, and Bobby is—he has a ceiling of a Gold Glove caliber defender. Sometimes it's just doing a little too much. Sometimes it's just learning at the big league level. Ball jumps on you a little bit. There is no reason to be freaking out about these guys' defense now. Now, no. if by the by this time next year we're still seeing some of these same hiccups, we can have a conversation. 
but I'm going to take so much of this with a grain of salt and just let them, I'm okay with them just being in the lineup and getting in the everyday run that they deserve to be getting. And we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. So this will be a little bit of a shorter episode this week. I just don't have, I don't have a ton, frankly. Oh, I'll, I'll go into this a little bit and we can talk a little draft, but congrats to Andrew Benintendi for getting his first all-star uh, appearance. Yeah. Good for him. And he'll be wearing a Royals uniform and then probably promptly traded. Um, they don't want to trade him before he wears a Royals uniform in the all-star game. Because uh, they, I don't think they want another Ken Harvey situation. Yeah. 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 I mean, hey, it's going to be exciting. He's deserved it. He's really turned it around since he's come yeah. over from Boston after the struggles that he had there. And it's really nice to see. And yeah, he's not going to be a Royal much longer. I think there was some hopes when they got him over in that trade with for Franchi that they would be able to sign him to extension. But they got what they wanted out of them. They have a chance to turn them into some really good value here at the deadline. And so you can't be disappointed with the Andrew Benintendi era, whether if he gets traded. So, yeah. Uh, looking at the draft on Sunday, uh, last time we had you on, we talked a little bit about it. But now that we're getting a little closer, I think we can try and nail down some predictions or try and be definitive. But what do you see the Royals doing? I mentioned a little bit when I was talking about the the trade that 35th pick is gone, that they're I think they're going to go full slot. Yeah. Um, what What do you do? You think that they go that? Do you really think they go that route, or are they going to try some BS? I think so. I mean, I don't know what they'd be able to underslot at round two. Um, I mean, I know that pick's not too far off from the thirty fifth, but you're still looking at like fifteen slots there potentially. Uh, I got. I have to assume that they go best player available, um, and they just try to pay. I mean, it, I don't know if Cam Collier falls. If they if he does that they have to go that route you would think they would have to go that route um but i would love to see a college bat as i mentioned last time jace jung gavin cross jacob berry someone who's polished who's going to be ready in the next couple of years to participate in this team that's already going to have a stacked lineup it would just be nice to have another bat there um we know how the development is on the arm side so just kind of seeing the arms available this year in this draft they're not the best they're not exciting and just knowing the royal system in terms of uh, developing pitching you just kind of want to see them avoid that yeah i it's nothing against any of the pitchers in this draft it's just i just don't trust the royals at this point to to be able to develop and get the most out of them until there is significant developmental changes and coaching changes at all levels to to be able to get the pitchers so I would much rather them go premium bat. It could be prep. It could be college. I don't really care. I think there's going to be enough options at nine, especially if the the slot games get interesting with some of these other teams. If the signability of some of these high school guys uh, is going to be questionable, Baltimore could really throw a wrench into it and yeah. go like Heston Kerstad again, mm-hmm. like they did, or Colton Cowser, like they did, and kind of be like, the guy that like, why the heck are they picking him here? I think there's a pretty good scenario where they do that. Yeah. And where, unless they, I know, but the last time they had one, one, they picked Adley. And so they just went with the BPA. So they could do that again. Or do they just play games and they go and try and get Cam Collier one, one and try and get him and see if they can underslot him there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an interesting draft, too, because I think the Mets probably threw a wrench in the, th- in the draft as well because they have two first-round picks, I believe. Yep. And so it's just like they can easily underslot. So if they wanted to take, like a, I think they're 11th, if they took like a guy like Justin Crawford at 11, they could still overpay someone. at like, I think they have a pick, seven picks in between 11. I think they're like yep. 11 and 18 or something like that. Yeah. Um, but they, they throw a wrench into the whole entire thing, too. And it's 
you got everybody and their brother as a high schooler committed to LSU. And then yeah. that fact, they're transferring there, to LSU. Yeah. They're transferring to LSU or they're committed to LSU. And you got the factor of the, the, the was it NIL or the, mm-hmm. that's yeah. playing, that's playing a different role now. And so all these high school kids are asking for a ton of money. Who knows where these guys fall in the draft? I mean, yeah, it, you got what four of the five top five are all high school kids who could potentially go to campus. So I don't yeah. know what kind of role that's going to play, what kind of insights these teams have on whether they're signable or not. That's going to just make a complete mess of make chaos on draft day because you oh, just no don't know it. what's going to happen in the first five. Yeah. I mean, for the Royals to go and get Jace Young, which who I think will be there at nine. Yeah. You basically need to bank on the four main prep guys, Tamar Johnson, Elijah Green, Jackson, mm-hmm. Drew Jones going, uh, Kevin Parada. Um, who else? Cam Collier, who Brooks I think Lee. is going to be gone. Brooks Lee. Yeah, Gavin Cross potentially could go before. He could. Yeah. I don't know. Jacob Barry could. Zach Nito. Um, Zach, Zach Nito's getting a lot of helium right now. I yeah. think he's going to end up in the top 10. Chase so, the lotter, probably not so much. No, I, if he didn't break his foot, I think so. Yeah. If there was an underslot option, I would love to see if you can try and get him underslot. Uh, which I think you probably could because he wouldn't go, he wouldn't get the same amount of money at, he'd probably get that same amount of money at 21. So it's, you know, the cache of going ninth and you're going to still going to get a really good player. But I would love, like, I think Chase Young is about as slam dunk as they get with the hitters in this class that you're going to get at nine. And Jacob Barry's the same way. But I think that the, there's defensive questions with Chase Young for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's even more with Jacob Barry that I don't think yeah. the Royals are going to take a chance on. Despite him probably being the best pure hitter in this class, yeah, I think that is going to be a legitimate problem because I don't know if they want to have another guy like a Vinny Pasquantino that they just want to try and stick the bat in the lineup and some other lefty. I don't know because I think they're I think they are going to try and find a bat. At least I hope they're going to try and find a bat that you can plug in the lineup by the end of 2023 or the beginning of 2024. Yeah, and there's your core right there. Yeah, I mean, the good news about like Gavin Cross is he's above average defensively. And yep. Outfield, he could fill a hole or a void there too. I think there's some. I think I was uh, when I was reading on some of the scouting reports on him. I was hoping to go see him this year, but he has the ability to stick in center field too. So if they're yeah. looking for another potential center field prospect to have in the system, Cross could could play that role. So do you have an official pick or are you going Gavin Cross? Or? Gavin Cross is the guy I've been leaning on this entire time. I'm just going to stick with Gavin Cross. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Jace Young, but if it's Gavin Cross, I won't be upset. Yeah. Um, I think there's probably a little bit of a lower ceiling there, at least from a hitter's perspective. I agree, yeah. Gavin Cross is bad at ball day to stupid. Uh, and the fact, that he was able to cut down on strikeouts is nice. I just think Young is a better all-around hitter. Mm-hmm. And if he's there, I think you run to the podium and you make that pick. Yeah, you don't even take any time off the clock. Just, oh, not at all. It, it would be. It's <laughs> like when the uh, the Lions took Aiden Hutchinson in the NFL draft. Like they just yeah. put their pick in forty five seconds later because they knew they were getting their guy. Yeah, yeah. I just I had a feeling that Cro- our Jung's going to go before Cross, maybe, but I could be wrong. I just like you said. I think the bat's a lot better in a team. I, I know a team. There's going to be a team that's going to really want to take him. I think. Yep, I agree. So one final thing, Royals topic before we get out of here. Um, what was some, what was your favorite moment from the first half? Hmm. Favorite moment from the first half. I have to say like the Vinny Pasquantino debut, just because the hype was there for so long and it was there 
longer than it should have been. And then to finally get to see him watch him play, uh, that was awesome. It, it's just, he's a, like, you watch him in interviews and he just seems like a down to earth, great dude. He's in the, the best clubhouse. Dude. And it was just awesome to see him. And I actually think the Brewer Hicklin debut was one of my favorites too, because he's just another overall, just amazing human being. And just to be able to see those guys get those opportunities and get those chances. That's, those are the highlights you're looking for this season because you know you're not going to get too much outside yeah. of that. I, I would definitely say, like, I was there. So I was there on opening day and yeah. I froze my ass off to watch Bobby Wood Jr.'s debut with That's my dad. Awesome. So that was like, that was cool because it was my first opening day. It was my dad's first opening day. Uh, so that was a cool moment, like father son moment for us. But God, it was so cold. I, I think the Vinny debut meant more to me because of the relationship and friendship I've been able to develop with Vinny off the field yeah. uh, after interviewing him in 2020. And to go from, hey, this dude's pretty good to, holy crap, this dude's a big leaguer to there is no way this dude isn't and is a part of the future in like a, a year, 18-month period has been really cool to, to see his journey from 11th round pick to then turning himself into a top 100 prospect to making his debut and becoming a part of the future of the Kansas City Royals and becoming a fan favorite like immediately. Yeah. His, there was less of a crowd, I think, on that Tuesday than there was on opening day. or about, It was about similar. And his reception and standing ovation was the same as Bobby's. That tells you anything about the way Royals fans feel about Vinny. They, they love this dude and they want to see him on this team. So that was, I think that was really cool. Cause it was a two, it was an unassuming Tuesday against the Texas Rangers. Yeah. And the crowd was awesome for his debut. So I thought that was awesome. And that was probably, I think the Vinny debut meant a little more to me than Bobby. Cause we all knew Bobby was going to be a big leaguer. Yeah. It was just a matter of when, I don't think any of us ever really predicted even last year that Vinny would be not only make his debut, but get the type of hype that he got for his debut. Yeah. 11th rounder to standing ovation. Like that's yeah. awesome. For your debut that's R results be damned he hit into a, yeah. a double play first pitch but that's yeah that, that was incredible before i get you out of here i have not i don't believe i've asked you this question yet uh this is a i try and get all guests that come on with me to at least answer this once but if you had to take a bat at the k what would your walk-up song be oh man walk-up song <sighs> that one i think man i'm trying to think of the one i had or one i really wanted when i was in college when i was working for a college baseball team and really wanted to play, but it wasn't good enough. Um, I, I think I had, gosh, this is like a hard question. This is like the hardest question I've gotten all night. Um, wow. I don't even know the answer to this one. You gotta give me something. I think I had, I've, I've had two people try and tell me like, Oh, I'll get you next time. No, we're, we're doing this right now. Yeah. I'd have to, Oh, I've, I cannot think of the song name. I have it in my head, but I just can't think of it. I'm not going to make you sing for, for all to listen to. Um, <laughs> so next time I get you on, I, I need you to figure out what song it is, and we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, I got to find it. It was Evan <laughs> Longoria's walk-up song. Hold on. Let me look that up. I got it. I got it. Down and Out by Tantric. That was the one I really loved. Okay. All right. I dig it. I dig it. That song all is right. sweet. That, yeah, is, that right. song gets me every time. All right, Jerry, thank you so much for, for joining me tonight. I appreciate it. Royals fans, appreciate you sticking with me for the first half of the season. <laughs> it's going to be interesting what happens in <laughs> Toronto over the weekend, but uh, stick with us. Be sure to join us either at the Kingdom Bar and Grill or live on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook. Tuck's got it all figured out. And uh, stick with us for the end of, for the MLB draft. We'll be live for the first three picks or first two picks now at 9 and at 49. 
and break them all down. And I, I will not be there live, but I'm going to be on at some point whenever I get back from my, my little vacation. So we'll talk to you all then. Appreciate it. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.